best? Oh, before time. Do you intend to leave us standing on the doorstep all day with the ranch? Now look, that gun and caught a sniffle. How you expected? Do not take that tone with me, my good man. Now battle off and tell Baron Brunwald that Lord Clarence MacDonald and his lovely assistant are here to view the tapestries. Tapestries? Dear me, the man is dense. This is a castle, isn't it? There are tapestries. This is a castle. And we have many tapestries. And if you are a Scottish lord, then I am Mickey Mouse. How dare he? everyone to my bleeding ears podcast this is episode number 92 we are heading into october halloween month yes yes and i'm sure this makes you very happy with me also i love halloween yes it does i've already uh, i have a bunch of movies on my list that i want to watch throughout halloween month. And, and we are gonna do that and yeah. we will tell you all about those movies too in the, in the, <laughs> the following podcast but don't expect any Halloween horror movies this month from My Bleeding Ears podcast. Really? Really, because every other one podcast does all the horror movies all the time. And so I thought, starting with this episode, as we are in October right now, that uh, it's not going to put a horror movie in. And it's not. Uh, so the movie of the week that we're doing is billed as a horror thriller uh-huh. on IMDb. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> It's more a thriller. It's much it's, more a thriller, I agree. <laughs> but uh, we will get to that shortly, but we also have a few movies that we've watched lately in like the past week. Eh, less than a week, really. Uh, yeah, a little less than a week. We loaded up on a few things. Uh, the first movie that we saw together, because yes. uh, we both watched a couple movies separately from each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one we watched together was The, uh, the Little Stranger. Yes. And it took us... Um, like a, we got through about ninety minutes of it. I'm gonna say the first, and then Jessalyn got sleepy. I fell asleep. Then we had to come back, and partially I want to say is because the movie's a little boring. It's slow. I'm slow. trying to be. It's not that I'm trying to be kind. It's not that I didn't like it. It's just it wasn't exactly what I expected, uh-huh. which I guess is probably good. Yeah. I didn't know what the hell to expect from right. this movie, The Little Stranger, with um, starring Donald Gleason. Who you know from, he's like uh, Commander Hux from uh, the new Star Wars movies. Yeah, he's very busy. He's from yes. Deus Ex Machina. You know Donald Gleason, the red-headed guy who's in all the things. All the seen. things now. <laughs> <laughs> took over from his dad. Yes. Um, yeah, this was, it seemed like this was going to be like a ghost horror movie from like... That's uh, what I thought. Which, from what you told me, that's what I thought it was going to be because I knew nothing about this movie at all. I didn't even know what the cover of the, the, the poster looked like or the cover of the DVD looked like. And then we just started watching it, and um, yeah, and it wasn't really a horror movie per se. It was like a, well, it was billed as a gothic ghost story, uh-huh. and I don't know 
if any of those words except for story apply <laughs> to this. I don't, what do you think? What were your thoughts? Well, I saw this more as uh, just kind of a character study for the Donald Gleason character. Mm-hmm. Um, so pretty much what this film is about is that this doctor um, goes back to where he grew up and uh, to be a doctor there to take yeah. over for the, the retiring doctor. Well, and, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Well, am I wrong? Well, his mother was a maid in this mansion that was once glorious. Right. And now it's kind of crumbling and he's not necessarily... A doctor, like, taking over for... Well, he's taking over for a retiring doctor, right. but he, he makes house calls. Because yes. back in the 30s or whatever, that's what you did. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he became a doctor, and yeah. then we get to find out early uh, later on in the film, when he was a young boy, is that his mother used to work at this huge mansion right. as, like, a maid, but she got out of it. We really don't know how that she stopped working as a maid, but they had, uh, there was a birthday party for one of the daughters there at this big mansion, and mm-hmm. um, his mother took him when he was a child to, to this mansion to see, for this party, and he was just infatuated by this lifestyle, kind of, and more right. more of the mansion he's thinking about. Um, so, in the time of now, in uh, the present time, uh, we get to see him go back to this mansion that he remembers so vividly throughout his life and wanting to go there so badly again so that he's there now because the um, the owners who have gotten older, of course, mm-hmm. and they have younger children there, uh, someone gets sick or uh, there's a house call, so he ends up going there and remembering all the little things that happened when he was there last time. And... From there, we get to see the uh, Donald Gleason kind of not necessarily change throughout this movie, but he ha- definitely has like this agenda of owning this house <laughs> and and not necessarily caring for anything else around it. Right, and that's his main focus throughout this movie is to be in this house, right. and it's. And there's, you're not too sure if there is a ghost in this house or if the people getting hurt while he's there uh, or under his care is the result of him or a ghost. We don't know that and we never really know that until the end of the movie to where um, it gives you an idea of who it might be. It's interesting. It is. Yeah, I had to sit on that for a Mm -hmm. little while. We didn't really talk about it at all because I needed to let that... What did Michael Ironside say? Let that. I needed to kick that around in my head for a while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I like this movie just because mostly of Donald Gleason and of um, what's her face is in this um, Ruth Wilson. Ruth Wilson. She's really good in this movie too. Will Poulter always good. Yeah, yeah. Will Poulter's in here. He has a lot of uh, prosthetics on because he was uh, a World War One hero, mm-hmm. and he came back to take care of the mansion, but he got all. All fucked up, and I, I, what I'm thinking it, uh, from the evidence that they gave us in this movie is that he was like an airplane pilot who yeah. got kind of shot down, and mm-hmm. through getting shot down, he got burned all over his body, right. and his he legs all fucked up. Mm-hmm. He walks all weird and shit. So the the doctor uh, uh, totally takes. Um, I'm not saying takes advantage of him, but 
starts to try new little procedures on him to see if, you know, um, they're able to repair his leg or, at all or give him ease in his leg, which has right. clearly been gnarled up from the crash that he that he uh, suffered from. Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't see it as taking advantage of. I just kept thinking about how horrifying medi- medicine used to be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but maybe he was taking advantage. Yeah, because yeah. I don't think he really cared about his limp. I think yeah. it was just him trying to be closer to this house. Right. <laughs> it's something that he could never have, you know, right. throughout his life. I agree. Until finally there's all these opportunities that present themselves for him to be a part of this house. Right. Ruth uh, Wilson plays Caroline Ayers, who is a spinster, for lack of a better word. I hate that word. It's stupid, but that's what she is in the 40s or whatever this is, or 30s, whenever this takes place. And so he propositions her for marriage, and she initially agrees, which I thought was weird, because at first I thought they didn't like each other, uh-huh. and then I thought, okay, they're friends, and they were getting married, and I was like, what? <laughs> then that sort of works itself out right, near yeah. the end, yeah. So I do recommend this film. It is slow moving, and some could see this as, as kind of boring. Um, but there is, I mean, a lot of suspense in it, to me at least, and there's a yeah. lot of not knowing what's going to happen or what's real or not. Agreed. It leaves a lot up to you. Mm. And I guess I just wasn't in that kind of mindset to watch a movie <laughs> that left a lot up to me. I thought I was gonna see a ghost movie yeah a ghost movie with donald gleason yeah man. and that's not exactly what it is it leaves a lot up for interpretation and yes. now that i've kicked it around in my head for a little while i did like it mm-hmm. yeah i don't think i'll ever watch the movie again no but no. it is good it was a yeah. cool character study with of donald gleason's character yes agreed. now you watched this movie on your own and it is called unsane yeah so unsane <clears throat> it's available on amazon prime oh uh Little Stranger is available on Cinemax, if you guys have Cinemax. Uh, So, Unsane, available on Amazon Prime. A young woman is involuntarily committed to a mental institution where she's confronted by her greatest fear. But is it real or a product of her delusion? So, this is directed by Steven Soderbergh, and I had no idea that it was Mm. directed by Steven Soderbergh when I started to watch it. I just thought, oh, Claire Foy, oh, uh, weird (laughs) uh, institution movie. I want to watch this. Um, it's very, but for those of you who don't know Steven Soderbergh, Aaron Brockovich, Traffic, Ocean's Eleven, Haywire, Magic Mike, you totally know. He's done kind of all the different genres, but he makes them his own in that same And with him, he kind of started off as like a a low-budget director, and it kind of seems like this, he kind of went back to that. He's getting right back to his roots in this. I said to you, this is... This is a bare bones movie, even for Steven Soderbergh, <laughs> and right. he definitely can work with not very much. Um, I I liked it. It's not as though I didn't like it. I think I'll give it a B minus, but I thought it was. It's a thriller, but it's a little bit predictable. And where you think it's not going to be predictable, it sort of is. I don't want to ruin mm. anything for you. Great performances by Claire Foy and Joshua Leonard, uh, who's Josh from The Blair Witch. I knew he looked familiar. It was driving me crazy. It's Josh. Finally, you got another role, right? Yeah. <laughs> He's actually worked a lot. Oh, yeah, this okay. Was one of the, he was a main character in this. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't really know what else to say about it. 
I think maybe I it deserves a second watch for me just because there were a lot of things that happened that I didn't expect and I guess I thought I was watching this paint by numbers insane asylum movie and that's not what it turned out to be kind of so just like the last I, movie that we kinda. watched <laughs> and so now that I know what it, what it is I kind of want to go back and revisit it that's all so B minus so far. Maybe I'll give it a higher grade, but mm-hmm. it's available on Amazon Prime, and you should watch it. Unsane. Unsane. Yeah. Okay. Now this is the movie I watched by myself on two separate sittings because this movie is two and a half hours long. Yes, of course it is. And it is a little long after watching it. It is the 2019 film Dragged Across Concrete, which is also available on Cinemax, and you just got that Cinemax app for like a free trial. Yes. All right, so I saw all the movies I want to see on it. You can cancel it. <laughs> <laughs> really? There's nothing else on no, there? No, no. A lot of the same shit's on Prime and some of the other channels. Okay. So, I mean, there's nothing really I wanted to see on there. I have until Sunday, so I'll cancel, cancel it. Cancel it, yeah. yeah. We don't need it. <laughs> but I was happy to finally watch this film. It's It's been out for a while now, and for some reason I didn't want to buy it. But then I saw on Cinemax, this is available. I'm like, great, I'm going to sit down and you know, watch this movie, and I and I did over two different nights <laughs> because of a two and a half hour, two two hour forty five minute movie, and uh, yeah, there was some parts of this film that could have been cut out, um, but at the same time, I can understand why the director S. Craig Zoller, who who did Bone Tomahawk and uh, Brawl in Cell Block 99, which, mm-hmm. I mean, I really love that movie. We did. <laughs> I forget what episode, but that was a movie of the week Yes, it was. And, uh, yeah, we totally gushed all over it, and especially Vince Vaughn's per- uh, performance in that film. Yes. Particularly because he wasn't playing Vince Vaughn. And right. I believe that's the reason why, or one of the reasons why, that he got the role in this film also with Mel Gibson. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie, Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn play detectives who get filmed being uh, overzealous or, uh, or or with a uh, a drug dealer which they arrest and someone films them like uh, Mel Gibson's character like puts his foot on the head of the guy and points a gun at him and they're just being kind of rough with with their suspect at that time and right. there's another scene after that where they're, they're pretty shitty to his girlfriend you know they lie to her and everything so you can see that these cops they're not the best, you know. They're not completely horrible, but you can see that they've also been in this job for a while now and are just uh, don't give a fuck about certain things. But seeing as they were filmed, they get suspended mm-hmm. for six weeks out of off the force without pay. So Mel Gibson's character is one of the detectives, and he's doesn't you know he doesn't know what to do. So he comes up with the idea that he's going to rob a drug dealer. So that he's able to pay for his family to move out of a shitty neighborhood that they live in. And his wife, who used to be a cop, also she has, like, MS. Oh, that's so what she, it is. Okay. So she I, can't... She I can't caught, work. like, half an hour of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um... Lori Holden. And his daughter is, like, being harassed, like, on her way home by kids. And, and so he just totally wants to get out of there. He's, he's pushing 60, and he just wants to take care get this one score while he's on suspension so he can take care of his family and move on i do remember chuckling when they said mel gibson is pushing 60 <laughs> he is he's like what 64 i, I want to say. say he's probably pushing 70 think so oh, yeah. maybe i'm wrong comment if i'm wrong <laughs> but yeah 
And that's kind of where our story takes off. From there, we also are introduced to um, an, an ex-convict who comes home and he tries to clean up a little bit. His mother, when he gets home, to his mother is like a prostitute. So he has to kick like one of the Johns out of her room. And then we get to see that, yeah, that's his mother and that his brother is also living there. And he has, um, later on in the movie, we get to find out that the reason he why he went to prison is because he killed the guy or he he hurt the guy who hurt his brother and put him in a wheelchair. So he finally gets out and is asked, you know, hey, you're gonna need to make some extra money and he's like, I'll let you know and then that leads us on to later in the movie <laughs> to where they do take a job with these bank robbers and that's when um, Vince Vaughn and Mel Gibson's character kind of intersect with all of them. So, uh, and then you saw also that Jennifer Carpenter is in this movie. I did, yeah, very briefly. And she's not in the movie very much. Like, okay. the part you saw until the end of what you saw is probably, she's only in the movie for about ten minutes. Interesting. Somebody give Jennifer Carpenter a job, <laughs> goddammit. As Craig Zoller is, and he's giving yeah, her crucial... Yeah, but for ten minutes? <laughs> it's a crucial part okay, in okay. this movie that it needs to be in here. Okay. Because you can, because what happens in there, you could be like, why is this violence in here? Why, why do they show her? Why, you know, did they give her this backstory, then kind of just kill her character off in, in, in this way? And... It, it, it makes total sense in the film. All right. And, and I think you might like this movie. I'm it sure is... that I would. I liked Brawl and Cell Block 99. I loved Bone Tomahawk. Mm, it's just there's long, long sequences in this movie where there's like stakeouts and there's just mm-hmm. interactions between the characters. And the dialogue isn't necessarily snappy all the time. Uh, there are parts where I do laugh because Mel Gibson in this movie is really good. So is Vince Vaughn. Mel Gibson... <laughs> Uh, of course, Vince Vaughn is... There's an age gap between him and, and, and Mel Gibson, probably about 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. So he's a younger cop compared to Mel Gibson, who's been around the corner. And he kind of just pisses Mel Gibson off throughout the movie in little ways. It's just really funny. They're... Their interactions in this film. The egg salad thing during the stakeout. <laughs> I mean, that was one of my favorite parts. I given Mel Gibson, <laughs> like Hollywood apparently has... But I chuckled in spite of myself at that, yeah. So I, I do recommend this film. Uh, I would give it probably around a B, just because it does run okay. a little long. But when it does pick up, it does. And the performances are really good in this film. Along with uh, Tori Kittles, who plays the convict. He's really good in this role, too. Okay. Uh, Michael Jai White I was kind of unrecognizable in this movie. Hmm. He looked like he put on some weight, so I didn't really notice him at all. And But... Uh, until like later on in the movie, I'm like, shit, is that Spawn? I'm like, fuck, <laughs> all right, cool. Uh, Lori Holden, of course, is in this movie too. It took me a, mi- a minute to recognize her, actually. Lori Holden. Yeah. 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 She. Yeah, she looks. She's crippled in this movie. Yeah. She um, looks like she's wearing a fat suit, possibly. Um, Udo Cure is in a small little part of this movie. Of course, yeah. he's been in. Um, prior to this, he was in. Uh, Brawl in Cell Block 99. Right. Just one scene in this movie. Don Johnson, same thing. Just one scene. Uh, so check this one out. It's a pretty brutal movie in some of the scenes. And there, there's parts where it's going to make you laugh. And other parts where you're going to go, oh, fuck, kind of, you know, reactions to it. Because it is pretty brutal in some scenes. And that's the kind of stories that I think 
as Craig Zoller tells. Yeah. Same yeah, with yeah. Bone Tomahawk and Brawl and Cell Block 99. There yeah. are parts that make you laugh. There are parts of levity, which I've mentioned more than once that mm-hmm. I need if you're going to go in a place that's incredibly violent like these mm. movies go. Yeah. So, yeah, this is, I, I tell you the truth, I want to watch it again, okay. like, in a day or two. <laughs> I might be interested. I'm still mad at Mel Gibson. I know that everybody's over it, but I'm not. Get over it. No. <laughs> Our next movie that we both watched. Yeah. Men in Black International. I've been wanting to see, it was on my list of 2019 movies that I wanted to see, even when it was getting panned, I didn't care, Mm -hmm. I thought I could find fun things about it, and I did, kind of. You did? Kumail Nanjiani's little alien is adorable. Yeah. And I want one. Yeah, he's fun, he's cute. Is that all you got to say about it? That's about it. That was, uh, that was the entertaining part. And entertaining is a strong word for <laughs> what that character was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, my thoughts are... Wow. Um, first of all, who, who did Rebecca Ferguson play in this movie? I don't remember. Right? When I saw that, I was like, oh, clearly then Larry will remember which one she was. <laughs> so, yeah, she, you don't remember who she played either? No. no. Okay. Oh, no. Okay. Okay, no, she was the the girlfriend to Chris Hemsworth's character with the three arms. Oh, okay. That's her. All right. I I mean, I picked out the, the, the villain very early in this movie. <laughs> of course you did! Um, aliens and everything kind of took a back seat to this movie. Yeah. And it focused more on, like, female-centric girl power stuff instead of aliens. And it kind of really, it kind of took me out of the film. It, it, it was kind of, it was constantly kind of, like, pushing it in my face. Um, the action, like, are, are bad guys in this movie? I, who are they? Just, like, blown up stars in the shapes of, like... Humans? I you know, like I you don't even know their names. Yeah. You know nothing, really nothing about them. They're just kind of there, and and I you know, need a good yeah. villain. And I know you're saying you have no problem with girl power. I not know that's not all. exactly what you're saying. Not but at all. This is a movie about you know powerful women. Okay, so powerful main characters who happen mm-hmm. to be women who are in. An international organization that takes care of alien transportation and immigration. Uh-huh. And you're absolutely right that that alien part was secondary to right. a Men in Black movie. Right. Yeah. Yes, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I have no problem with strong female characters. Right. At all. My favorite movie is Aliens, for Christ's sake. Now, I will say that Men in Black 3, which I demanded we watch immediately yes. after so I could get the taste <laughs> out of my mouth, the aliens also kind of take a backseat in that movie, but that movie is so much better. The yeah. themes of that movie about family and friends, mm-hmm. it's so much more important than than what was happening in this movie. This movie right. was just completely unnecessary. Right, and, and unbelievable, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of silly for me to say that about an alien movie with men in black, but you have this character... Who works as like a I don't know a telemarketer, yeah. 
who just automatically gets this job in the Men in Black. There's right. like no training at all. Exactly. And they just put her in the field like, oh, here you go. There you go. Just go in this building and yeah. then that's it. At least in the first Men in Black. He's a really good detective. Yes. And he's very fit. And so that's why they were interested in him in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. And so this movie is a mess. Yeah. I like F. Gary Gray. He does some great movies, but he also does some shit ones too. Yeah. I listed all his great movies. Yeah. Yeah. He does. And he's got, but along with it, he's got some shit ones too. (laughs) The good ones I listed Friday, Set It Off, The Italian Job, Straight Out of Compton. Yeah. Mm. And his style, he started off actually in music videos, so this yeah, movie lots. looked like a music video, yeah. really. Only like a, with the angles and everything. It looked like an old Puff Daddy video, to be right. honest with you. But a really boring one. Really boring one. No <laughs> chemistry in there. Yeah. Uh, the story was bad. Yeah, no chemistry between Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson, and we've already seen them have good chemistry together. And yeah, in Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> right. So we know this happens. So how do they not have any in this? Yeah. So that's time to end the Men in Black, I would just say. Right? It's Liam Neeson. Yeah. Don't watch it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's easy. You, you can see it like as the, soon as you the, see it. Yeah, you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, he's got eight guys following him. Yeah, he's the good guy. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> The end. Yeah, skip take it. take a skip on skip that one. Watch Drag Across Concrete four times yeah. before you watch that one. And check out The Little Stranger. Yeah, check that one out. You'll yeah. probably never watch it again, but it's it's good. Donald Gleason's right. really good, and he stands out in that one. Now, uh, coming up, our movie of the week after these messages. <laughs> You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Our movie of the week is the 1997 anime directed by Satoshi Khan, Perfect Blue. This film is about a retired pop singer turned actress whose sense of reality is shaken when she is stalked by an obsessed fan and seemingly a ghost of her past. Now, this isn't like your traditional kind of anime movies, which would deal with like grotesque monsters or high school students and stuff. This is um, a very rare kind of... A thriller. Yeah, I was expecting kind of a monster movie. Right. And that's not what it is at all, yeah. This this movie kind of reminds me of if Alfred Hitchcock did Fight Club. That's what it kind of that's what it that's what it's to me it uh, means to me a little bit. That's uh, that's how I what I got from it. Or like like a David Fincher movie, sort yeah, of. That's uh-huh. what it reminded me of a lot. This I I originally saw this movie about fifteen years ago. And I liked it then. I was a bit younger and wasn't a big a movie cinephile, as you call them, I guess, mm-hmm. <laughs> back then than I am now. I really didn't look at everything in a film. Now I do. And uh, it was cool to, to, to see this movie again, especially with you, because I, I definitely want to know what you think of this film, seeing as it's an anime. And I know you're really 
not into anime at all. And I'm not either. There's certain films that I've watched through the years that, um, that are uh, like Akira or Ninja Scroll, like the bigger ones. Yeah. And I really didn't delve deep into some of the more obscure obscure ones to like uh, regular people, not big anime people. Um, I've seen a lot of them because I had a friend in college who was super into them. But he was in like Dragon Ball Z and all that stuff. No, 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 no. This is a different friend. A friend that I've actually never talked about before. Because after like my freshman year, we didn't, I think he dropped out. (laughs) We watched a lot of Japanese anime. Some of it, like, I gagged because it really, really grossed me out. It can get Mm -hmm. really nasty. Um, But I'd never seen this. um, And I had a point to this. Oh, and I only really remember Akira. Honestly, that's one that sticks out in my head. But I've seen more anime than you think. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, that's a surprise to me. Yeah. So we're um, we're pretty much stuck with uh, or, or 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 given our, our main character of Mima, who is who is a part of a pop group, and she wanted to break away from that and become an actress. Right. So she does that, and we get to see you know her her. Uh, kind of descent into madness once moving out of the, the her pop star status right. and becoming a real serious actress. Because it starts out, she just has this very small role with just one line. Mm-hmm. And her agent presses, and they also like her, so they right. give her a larger role, but that larger role is being gang raped in a strip Right, club. exactly. Yeah. And, I th- and that's a really good point in this movie, which I think part of its mission is to show us how young females and even uh, adolescents are sexualized as soon as possible. Yeah. Uh, one, even one right now that is kind of a, a, a little story that's going on now is with Billie Eilish. She's yeah. only 17 years 17. old. Mm-hmm. And if you ever watch her perform, she wears real baggy clothing, nothing revealing at all. And she pretty much said, like, I did this so you guys wouldn't sexualize me. You would yeah. actually listen to my music. But, of course, people started sexualizing her as soon as she got big. Right. Uh, there were, like, magazine covers of her, of, like, digital pictures of her. Not even her, I believe. <laughs> and then sexualizing her on these on covers of magazines. There was a German, it was a German magazine, I want to say. Yeah, yeah. That put her head on this nude robot. And right. she was furious because she never gave permission for that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and, and that's really prevalent in Hollywood and, and movie making and... All over the world, I want to yeah. say, is that mm-hmm. these young women are sexualized. That I mean, there's really no reason to do that other than to make money and sell her. Right. And then, this, yeah. So, uh, yeah, this this movie is really important, I, I believe. Ahead of its time, I yes. think. And, uh, and at first, I was thinking it's ahead of its time like it's like one of the first internet thrillers. Yes. That's not exact. I mean, oh, it's kind net. of that. Yeah. But it's so much more what you just said. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Of course, we have the net for that one. Uh, right. Do you remember that stupid Sandra Bullock? Of course Bullock I do. Yeah. Fucking Dennis Miller movie. <laughs> <laughs> On the net, I mean, baby. no, I don't remember anything about it. But I, I stuck into that movie, it. I think. And Did it was, you? Yeah, it was stupid. I left. Yeah. It went and saw an even worse movie. So what one? Oh fuck! I think it. No, actually, I think I did see a better Apollo thirteen. But I was oh. younger at the time, and I thought I was like oh. that movie was boring. Yeah, was like, you yeah, didn't care. I, I didn't give a shit at so all. You didn't watch it happen. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, dude, why the fuck is this taking so long? <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you astronauts and smart? Damn it, Kevin Bacon, get it together! Yeah. Shh. <laughs> is that is it Kevin Bacon who screws it up? It is, right? It's all yeah. of them. <laughs> anyway, is there a, yeah, whatever. So the net. So yeah, I, I, 
I went in expecting nothing because I, I didn't know what this was about. I didn't read anything about it. Um, anime has been hit or miss for me, even though I still do. I don't really remember it. <laughs> Mostly <laughs> missed. Some of them really grossed me out. Um, but yeah, I everything that you just said, golden. I totally agree. I kept joking it was like an internet thriller and kind of, but it not is. really. It, it yeah. kind of is. It's, it deals with stalkers. Yeah. That's a big, another big reason why I wanted to do this movie also, because it, it does play into society now a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Ahead of its time, I it agree. Is. It is. And it's unfortunate that people might not have seen this movie, because it is an anime. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully, by me reviewing it right now, more people will watch this film. A little bit more about the, the film itself. We're, we're, we're seeing this mostly through the eyes of our main character, who is Mima. Mm-hmm. There are certain points in time where we can't tell if what she's doing is real. What happens throughout the course of this movie is that the people who have either um, led Mima into these different directions of acting, you know, or doing rape scenes, or doing nude modeling too, um, are being killed throughout yeah. the movie. And it's a mystery as to who this is, and this is... Um, going through Mima's head, maybe she's the one who's doing this. Um, or maybe it's the stalker that she has that she's seen around before who's doing this also. Right. But we get to find out that the stalker is just a red herring because the real person who's spreading all of her business on the interwebs <laughs> mm-hmm. is actually like her handler and who yeah. sees, doesn't like what Mima has become and liked her as this pop star instead so she's going out and murdering all of these people who have led Mima in this direction. Right. And specifically, I feel like it's really important that specifically she really starts to notice, or the lines of reality and fantasy really start to blur for Mima after she films that gang rape scene. Right. Which we get to watch in all its yep. glory, and it's a pretty upsetting scene. It is. And, and then is... they'll cut, and she seems okay, but what a fucking hard f- scene to film. Right, That's especially... Really gonna take something from you. Especially yeah. if you're a young person doing a scene like that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And so that's when the lines start to blur for her. Right. And that's when she goes home, I believe, afterward. And uh, it's on the cover of one of the, bo- the box art of the film is her seeing that her fish have died. Yeah. And and that she totally just breaks down from that. Mm-hmm. And later on in the movie, we could see that her fish are alive again. Yeah, she was just... That was one of the first hallucinations. Is that right. what you're saying? Well, yeah. I, I think it either was a hallucination or that her handler constructed perfectly her own room to look like her room because there's a part in the film she's like this isn't my room you're right and so she was such a big fan and 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 (laughs) didn't want to let go and then she saw like the 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 name of her pop band that she was in was called cham Champ. Yeah, what's a champ? I don't Weigh in, everyone. Champ. Yeah. So that's I the name of the band she's with. <laughs> and unfortunately for her, they, they got big once she left the band. Right. <laughs> so she has that so pressure on her also. It was just the also. duo, like Beyonce left, and weirdly Destiny's Child got more popular. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there are five deaths in this uh, movie. We really don't get to see any of them. We see the aftermath yeah. of them. 
um, which they are pretty brutal in the aftermath. Some they of them are. are um, but also, they're, um, throughout this movie, too, is it can kind of take you out a little bit because you see Mima now and you see her pop persona as like a figment of her imagination throughout yes. this movie. Mm-hmm. Leading her on, like, the quests, it looks kind of seems like. And it's not like her her projection is just walking normally. She's hopping around yeah. different places, and it's really weird she's that like she's a doing hologram, this. Yes. and she's chastising Mima for her life choices, and right. yeah, telling her she's ruined her reputation. That part was weird for me. I mean, it took me a minute to get used to, especially when you find out who it actually is. Uh-huh. I was kind of like, all right, why is she still hallucinating? But I get, I'm. I'm I relaxed. Yes. <laughs> she kind of just relaxed when you watch this yeah. movie, too. Mm-hmm. And there are certain parts where you're like, holy shit, like, wait, is she talking to cops right now? And then yeah. the scene will kind of transition into showing you that it's actually they're on the film set right now. Right. And they're shooting a scene for a movie. And those parts are mm. cool. Yeah, how yeah. they transition. You're like, okay, all right. Or, and then you're, you're constantly trying to catch up with this movie. Yes. <clears throat> Which is a good thing. I agree. this is what you want in this film, to be able to be like, okay, I don't know what's going on. And neither does she. Mm. Neither does she. Because, yeah, yeah the, you're getting to see everything she's seeing for the most part. Other than, like, the, the time when uh, the people who kind of led her in a, a, a bad place are, are dead. You don't really get to see her there. But, you know, you get to see everything else through her eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, this is it's very interesting in how they did it. If they would have done it more straightforward, I do not think it would have the impact that the ending gives you. Yeah. And at the end of the movie, we get to see that Mima does find herself, and that her handler is in a mental institution, because there is a showdown at the end between them, to, between the two of them, where Mima actually sees pop star Mima and not uh, her handler, which is her name is Rumi. Right. Uh, so we get to see that projection, and then um, Mima looks in the mirror yes. and sees that it's actually Rumi, and that she is still, but she's still projecting herself over Rumi when they are fighting each other. And Rumi, <laughs> one of the great cool parts of this whole end scene is that there's a chase going on because yes. uh, Mima is trying to get away from Rumi and. We get to see, once again, her projection of old Mima as a pop star prancing, chasing her with, like, an umbrella. But as she's passing by these windows, we get to see the reflection of Rumi actually running after Mima and not Mima's projection. Right. Which, yeah, that explains a lot, and it's a very cool visual. Too. Yes, it is. She's running like a psycho, actually. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I give this movie an A. It is, uh, you really do have to sit and watch this movie. Yeah. Uh, just just to see different parts of it, how they use colors in this film. Keep an eye out for whenever they use the color red. But it, it definitely plays a significant role in this movie, especially the parts that I remember. Um, especially towards the end of the movie, uh, that's when uh, Mima takes control of her life and she's in control. She drives away in a red car. Mm-hmm. Meaning she took possession of herself again. and then Okay, that's cool. So I thought that was kind of interesting <laughs> after seeing the movie. Yeah. 15 years apart, so. Uh, your grade? I definitely give it an A, too. I had to kick it around in my head a lot today, but 
Um, and I didn't read anything about it. I wanted this to be completely my decision. <laughs> and I liked it a lot. I decided that it's way ahead of its time for 1997. I did... There are some scenes, especially at the beginning, where Mima or the characters you're supposed to be paying attention to are moving around, and all of the people around them are completely immobile. They're not moving at all. Mm-hmm. And first I thought... Are we hallucinating? Is there something going on right now? You know what I mean? Like, right. is this part of the hallucination? Or is this just because animation can be expensive and they decided the tertiary character shouldn't right, be that no. all? What do you think? I think it's because of, of budget limitations. Yeah, okay. This is a great looking anime uh, in certain parts. Some parts are kind of okay-ish. Yeah. Um, it's hard to see some expressions, but... All in all, um, it's good. It's it's good animation, especially for '97. I yeah. think a lot of the be- their best animation or Japanimation came out between like '87 and '99, before people started to see like Toy Story more digital kind of right. kind mm-hmm. of uh, representations of animation. Uh, so uh, yeah, I don't I don't think it necessarily meant anything towards okay. the story, but I could be wrong on that. I'm curious, yeah, if you're listening to the podcast, definitely comment on that, because I found it, at first, distracting, and then Mm. I thought, well, maybe it's supposed to be this way, and then I thought, well, maybe it was budgetary constraints, Mm. yeah. Um, They show pubic hair a lot in this this movie, a a good amount, which is interesting, because I believe in Japan, uh, like, the pubic area is usually censored. Oh, wow. Except in animation. Interesting. So I think when um, Mima does the photo shoots, she does like a completely nude photo shoot, and throughout the next like 20 minutes we get to see different photos of her, and they get more revealing as they go along, and then there's just straight on shots of her pubic hair. Right. Which she, Rumi, or her alternate self, is forcing her to feel embarrassed about or ashamed of when this was her own choice. This is what she wanted to do, and she can do whatever she goddamn well pleases. Yeah, she wasn't necessarily pressured into any of this. Right. But at the same time, to to get this part, you have to do this kind of thing. Right. It's... Kind of sucks. I mean, if you're... Yeah. It was a choice that she made. Right, right. But I can also understand why women would take roles like this because in certain situations like either they don't want to be a pop star anymore or they just yeah. want to have a, a role and, and will do anything for it. You're right. I mean, Amelia Clark, I think, is a really good example of that. And by season yes. three, she was like, you know, of Game of Thrones, for those of you who don't know Amelia Clark, wake up. <laughs> she was like, you know what? No, I'm going to wear full body armor for the rest of the <laughs> But yeah, that's probably something that she felt like she had to do and she did it and then when she became famous she's not going to do it anymore no no four breasts animated breasts in this movie oh yeah there are two other one other set of breasts they are (laughs) mima's multiple times multiple times throughout the movie which is for for effect it wasn't just for no reason at all right there was a reason for the nudity in this movie Mm -hmm. um so yeah, I, I say check this one out. If you're not into anime, that's okay. You can still watch this movie and not be into anime because mm-hmm. this is this is a thriller. This is just because it's you know uh, has 
it's animated and from a different country doesn't mean you can't enjoy it for what it really is. Yeah. And it kind of seems like those kind of movies aren't really done in anime all that much. So it's pretty, it's, this is a pretty important movie, I believe. Why do you think, why is it called Perfect Blue? Do you know? Or is that just a lost in translation type of thing? I have, I believe that's the name of the book it comes from, I guess. I I am not completely sure. Because whenever it's that obscure, I always expect to hear it somewhere in the dialogue, but we didn't. No, we didn't. Um, One more little tidbit before I let everyone go here is that Darren Aronofsky bought the rights to this movie. So we could do Black Swan because I was thinking about that a lot during this movie. Yes and no. Not okay. for Black Swan, but for, uh, fuck, what's the name of that one movie he did? His second film with all the drugs. Uh, Jennifer Connelly. Oh, Requiem? Requiem for a Dream. Weird. There are straight up shots from Perfect Blue and wow. Requiem for a Dream um, concerning the Jennifer Connelly character in the film where she gets in the bathtub and screams oh, in the bathtub. Yeah. It's a he shot had to for buy shot. The rights to yes. This. He spent wow. like sixty grand, I believe, for the rights to do that. But and people have said too that Black Swan is kind of a ripoff of oh, Perfect Blue. That is exactly <laughs> what I started to think and, of. Like, wait a yeah. minute, this is not Black Swan is not as original as I thought it was. And there are some yeah. shot for shot too in mm-hmm. Black Swan also. So. I still love Black Swan. Black Swan is yeah. a good movie, yes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. Very that, uh, interesting. Yeah. So he's a big fan because. When I first read about it, I was like, oh, fuck, is he going to do a remake of this movie? Please don't. And yeah. then, no, he just straight up ripped it off for one of his movies, some, which I'm fine with. Okay, yeah. you can take some shots, and yeah. Black Swan, I still think, is its own movie. It is. I now think that it maybe couldn't exist without this movie. No, yeah, first, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, sit on that one for a while. Interesting. Yeah. Definitely check out this movie. Yes. It's fucking great. It's even better this time around than from when I was, like... 22, 23 years old. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. And yeah, this it makes a lot more sense and it's a lot more prevalent to the society of today. Mm-hmm. So, check it out. And <laughs> uh, we will be gone next week, we, uh, next week and next weekend. We will be in Iowa for the Halloweenapalooza Fest Con, I guess yes. you want to call it. I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be great. We're going to have stuff to sell, things to talk about. It's going to be a great time. I get to, to see a bunch of the people who do are in the, the Prescribed Films Podcast Network mm-hmm. along with myself. Uh, I get to see a lot of those creators and talk with them. And it's going to be a great time. I can't wait. Um, I believe next episode will be part of Halloween Palooza. I don't want to spoil anything. But uh, we will see. Hopefully in about two weeks I'll be able to release that episode. And, and hopefully you'll like it. And it's going to be, uh, it's going to stray a little bit from the usual formula. Okay. But you will see it then, or hear it, actually. <laughs> we will be taking a lot of pictures, and um, please come up to us and say hi if you listen to the podcast, yeah. if you're in the Iowa neighborhood of Otomwa, which um, is a nice, cool little town. I liked it there. It really, it really is, sweet. yeah. I mean, I'm from a small little Illinois town. So yeah. you as a city kid. Yeah, I'm, I'm around a like lot this. of people all the time. Yeah. So yeah, this, so it's nice. It's a yeah, it's an adorable little town. Yeah, with but, a great brewery. 
Yeah, it was. I forget what it's it? called. I'm a jerk. I'll tell you later. <laughs> go there again. The fucking coffee place looks like a brewery. Yeah, that coffee place was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to write down the names of these places. <laughs> <laughs> the coffee brewery place. Great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We will see you in a few weeks. Take it easy. Thanks for listening.